the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's episode of the Spot Track Recap is brought to you, as always, by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, who believe in empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about their finances and wealth. Learn more today. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. Good morning. My name is Mike Giannetti, managing editor of SpotTrack.com, at SpotTrack on Twitter. Visit us at Facebook slash SpotTrack, Instagram at SpotTrack. We're everywhere. We're, we're trying to keep up with all of it. Recapping the week that, that was, beginning with a little football. We're going to dive into Cam Newton a little bit. Um, certainly a hot topic this week. We're going to take, you know, I'll give my take on on where he stands contractually from a production standpoint, from a Panther standpoint, maybe from a trade standpoint. Uh, talk a little Russell Wilson, too. We, we uh, pushed a tweet out yesterday that I think has really, you know, kind of gotten some legs, and I want to speak to that a little bit. Flip gears to Major League Baseball, which is officially in the offseason now. The, uh, the winter is here. You know, snow is here in Buffalo, New York, where I'm sitting right now. And uh, time to talk notable free agents. I did a little piece breaking down where a few of them might, might end up and how much. We'll uh, speak to that a little bit. And uh, please feel free to give us your thoughts at Twitter, at SpotTrek on Twitter, I should say. And then we'll flip gears again, bring in Scott Allen, the NBA guru. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA suspensions and, uh, you know, the finances that go with that. And, and maybe is there a trend building uh, in, a, in a bad way for the NBA? And then again, we'll... Uh, we're going to dive into, you know, look at the business of sports kind of is wide ranging, right? And in the NBA, there's a problem with their business model and teams and players taking nights off. And uh, there was no bigger issue for that than last night with the uh, Clippers Milwaukee Bucks game. So we'll uh, speak to that a little bit, give our thoughts, maybe some solutions, all of that going forward. But I want to start with Cam Newton, injured reserve for the rest of the year. And unfortunately, this is a trend. I did some research on his injury history. And, you know, look, all quarterbacks, really all NFL players are going to have a history, right? It's just the nature of the sport. But he's a he was a mobile quarterback for a while. He toned that down a little bit because things got bad quickly. Um, look, he had an ankle issue in college, an ankle issue first couple years in the NFL, a ligament tear in the ankle in 2014. Then it started to be, the, you know, the chest, the ribs, the back, um, in 2014, and then 2015, he has this monster year, right? I mean, he's one of the best-rated quarterbacks on all of football. The Panthers see a, a bright future with him as their franchise player. And then 2016, the concussion comes in, the, the shoulder rotator cuff comes in, and, and really since that, since that point in 2016 to now, he's been above average production-wise simply because not elite, you know, but slightly above average because he can't stay on the field. And that's just the reality. Look, this time last year, early November, we are talking about Cam Newton as an MVP candidate. So I don't want to get in the way of how great of a quarterback Cam Newton can be. And, and I really never do that when I speak to, you know, the numbers and contracts and the business side of players. Uh, you know, when I, when I put a tweet out that says Cam Newton has probably played his last game as a Carolina Panther, I know I'm getting pushback from diehard Panthers fans. And rightfully so, this, is, this has been their leader, and he's been phenomenal at times, and he's taken them far. But the business side of this just says, even with a $19 million, $21 million cap hit cash hit right now, that's nothing, right? I mean, that's $10 million less than the, the majority of top quarterbacks in the league right now. In fact, he ranks 15th in quarterback cap for 2020, 15th. So you know you're getting value there. 
even if you keep him around. So I, there's a very good chance that Carolina says, we're going to give this one last shot, let this contract expire, hope he stays healthy, and give him one last hurrah. And, oh, oh by the way, if it works out, you know, we'll extend him and go from there. There's a very good chance of that. There's also a very good chance that Carolina decides to clear $19 million of cap space by releasing slash trading him, likely trading him, because there's going to be teams lined up for a $19 million salary for Cam Newton to sort of rent him for a year and see what happens, right? The Peyton Manning, Joe Flacco, we'll see what happens from there. But I just I wanted to get myself out there to say I am not promoting the Panthers to release Cam Newton or get rid of Cam Newton. I'm saying Kyle Allen looks pretty good. Kyle Allen is $20 million cheaper than Cam Newton. And from a business standpoint, that's a pretty easy call, right? Now, Kyle Allen is not Cam Newton when Cam Newton is at his best, and there's no questioning that. So I I could certainly see a path where both of these players exist on the Panthers next year. Like I said, they're hoping Cam can recover from this this Frank injury, the foot injury, which is just another mar on his resume. Unfortunately, it's, it's been an ankle and a foot and a knee and a shoulder and concussions and a back and chest. And at some point, it just starts to build up like an Andrew Luck situation, right? At some point, look, Cam's, he fought like hell to try to get back from this injury, right? I mean, he tried to get himself back out there. And uh, I think both sides just sort of said, it doesn't make any sense. Let's, let's shelve this thing for 2019 and, and see what happens next year. Um, so I don't think he's giving up in the sense that Andrew Luck said, enough is enough. I don't think we're there yet with Cam Newton. But look, at from a business standpoint, all I'm saying is, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Carolina decides, hey, we got to clear this cap space and give him a better shot somewhere else because we want to see what happens with this Kyle Allen kid. I, that's just good business, in my opinion. So I don't want to spend too much time on that. Just wanted to get it out there. We all know the, number, the numbers have been thrown around. We know the cap space. We know the savings. We know the trade trade possibilities. I've heard from plenty of you about where he could end up. I understand Chicago's situation. Tampa Bay might give up on Jameis Winston. Tennessee is certainly going to be looking for a quarterback via free agency and the draft, I would imagine. Um, So there's going to be places for him to land. But, again, if I'm the Bears, right, and I've got this team that can win right now, do I want to take a shot on a guy who's as oft injured as Cam Newton is? I mean, eight eight weeks of Cam Newton is great, but I need 16 to get myself through that that NFC North right now. So – I just don't know if that's the best decision. I realize Trubisky is clearly not the decision, right? Not the answer. Um, I just wonder how reluctant they're going to be to make any kind of trade for Cam Newton or free agent signing if he's released to take a chance on a guy who really just can't stay healthy at this point of his career. Uh, I, I just, it's not a slam dunk for me, as I, I know many of you have, have noted out. So we'll see what happens. He's, uh, he's certainly done for this year, and uh, the Panthers aren't out of it. They're all in on Kyle Allen right now in that defense. So we'll, uh, and certainly Christian McCaffrey, who is uh, a whole nother contract discussion coming soon. But as far as Cam Newton's c- goes, I, to me, it's a 50-50 toss-up. It's a fine cash and cap hit to keep on your, on your payroll next year if you have to do it. Like I said, it's 15th ranked among quarterbacks. But if they do have to move on and, and clear that $19 million, I think we all, would all understand it. Let's move to a player who is making way more than <laughs> $20 million next year and, and every year for the next three, four years, and that's Russell Wilson. $35 million per year contract recently signed in Seattle. It's, the, it's still the highest average paid contract in the history of football right now. And we run statistics and some uh, advanced ratings on all these players every week after their games and meld it with a little math to uh, decide, based on what they're earning on an average salary, 
and how they're producing, what is their true value, right, in terms of are they worth their contract, are they outplaying their contract, are they not worth their contract. We have a rating that sort of goes along with that for every single player in the league. Um, and every week we post updated team and player rankings based on this. Well, in terms of veteran quarterbacks, right, so leave the rookies out of this. Obviously, that's Lamar Jackson right now, right, the rookie quarterbacks. Dak and Lamar sort of own the overall best value rating. But if we just look at veteran quarter, uh, contracts, right, second to third to fourth contracts, Russell Wilson, who has the highest contract in all of football, is the best value veteran quarterback in football right now. So he has immediately outplayed that ridiculously high contract, which is good news for everybody. Good news for Seattle. He's certainly put the CX on his back. Uh, it's good news for football, for players in football, I should say, because you want your high, highest paid players to be outproducing their contracts, right? That's what we, we're seeing that. We just saw that in baseball with Max Scherzer. There's nobody better to be on a $35 million contract on Max Scherzer right now because, number one, he's gritty. He's a warrior. He's going to go out there and, and give you his all. So he's not going to be the guy who sort of settles into his high-paid high paid status and doesn't perform maybe like a David Price kind of situation, right? That's what we have in Russell Wilson right now, a guy who's giving it his all 100%. He's putting his team on his back, and he's outperforming his contract. Uh, you want this because it's going to promote more big contracts, not just at the quarterback position. Certainly these guys are going to get paid no matter what, but it's going to promote higher contracts to superstar players in the league. You want your Patrick Mahomes getting $40 million a year. You want your next iteration of, of quarterbacks and running backs. You want Christian McCaffrey pushing $18 million a year. You want that. I mean, if you want this game to keep progressing like the NBA has and Major League Baseball did for so long, these things, these steps need to be taken, and these players have to prove that they're worth the, the worth the dollars. And Russell Wilson is sort of holding up that trophy right now for the rest of the league, um, in a way that the league will need Patrick Mahomes to do that in the next three to four years. Right? He's going to sign his contract in the next 24 months at some point. It's going to be higher than Russell's, and he'll be the guy that has to take the uh, the lead from here. So, it's a good it's a good look for everybody, certainly for the Seahawks who I think there was a, plenty of rumblings, and I talked about it a little on, on our shows. Maybe the best move wasn't extending Russell Wilson. They were in flux at the point of time where he needed an extension, and you had to think that he was in their ear saying, if you don't get this right, I don't want to sign this contract, right? You get me out here. Send me to the Giants. Send me out of here, and I'll go and you know, take my talents elsewhere. So everything looks great decision-wise for Seattle right now because they've taken – I mean, it's – it's a similar process to what the Patriots have done, where they've sort of plugged and played a running back, wide receiver, tight end situation every year, and Russell's just made it work. So we'll see how far you know the Seahawks can go this year. But as as of right now, you're talking about an MVP candidate. You're talking about a player who's you know way outperforming his numbers, which is hard to do at 35 million a year. But it's an incredible story. So we'll keep on that as the uh, year progresses here. All right, time to switch to Major League Baseball. Obviously, we had a heck of a World Series finish. Two teams that. They're not going to drive major ratings, and they're not going to get plenty, you know, a ton of eyeballs on it. But a seven-game World Series that sort of comes down to the wire like this, back and forth, road, road Warriors, all of those subtexts that came with it, made it a really enjoyable way to send a lot of these players off into free agency. I mean, we had Steven Strasburg opt out. Garrett Cole is headed to free agency. Anthony Rendon's the top pit, top position player on the free agent market. Even the Howie Kendricks, you know, the the, the ageless wonders of the world, are going to get new contracts because of their performance in the postseason. So really kind of neat to see how that all unfolded. And, and look, I did a, an eight-player mini article here just sort of breaking down the notable free agents, where they might end up, how much they might cost. Many of these guys had big postseason runs. I mean, you had 
your Josh Donaldson, your Marcelo Zunas, Dodgers, Cardinals had nice playoff runs. Obviously, the, the guys I mentioned from Houston and uh, Washington. Then you got a couple of outliers, right? You've got a Zach Wheeler, uh, who has improved mightily over the past two seasons for the New York Mets and has been a bit of an afterthought because of guys like you know Noah Syndergaard and, and Jacob deGrom on that rotation. But he's been as consistent, certainly not as dominant as a Jacob deGrom, who's in line for his second straight Cy Young right now. But Wheeler's 29 years old. He was a number six overall pick for the Giants way back in the day. Um, and there's going to be teams bidding for him because he's going to be the plan B, right? You're going to have your Garrett Coles. I think many of us assume that Steven Strasburg is, go- is going to return to Washington, even though his hometown, San Diego, might come in swinging with a big number. So you can probably take Strasburg off the market. So you've got Garrett Cole, who's sort of your Patrick Mahomes situation, right? He's sort of your he, – he's going to push the market way, way up. If the number's 35 a year right now, you know, he probably starts at 37, which could get to 38 if there's a bidding war. So big, big numbers for a guy like that. Then you're going to have Wheeler and a couple of these other pitchers, like a Hunjin Ryu, Madison Bumgarner, even a Jake Gordarizzi, the former Minnesota Twins pitcher. There's going to be these kind of a crop of plan Bs that are going to be more in line with what teams want to pay or can afford to pay or are willing to pay right now. So for Wheeler, let's start there. He's got an injury history. Some, there's a lot of people who think maybe he's been you know, just chronically injured this whole time and he's learned how to pitch with it, right? If he's got a bum shoulder that you know, drops his velocity two, two miles per hour or so, which I think we've seen a, a lot with the Mets, but now he's got you know, nasty breaking ball stuff to go with it and he's got his control is way more consistent and he's he's kind of settled into being this this warrior kind of guy i mean he goes out there he'll go seven he'll go eight we've seen him do that plenty of times in the past two years kind of a dream scenario for a, a, a team looking to up their rotation with a top of the rotation guy number one number two there's a few teams of, of course that just need to get better on, on the mound their bats are off the charts the bats carried them through the regular season the pitchers let them down in the postseason that's the Minnesota Twins. That's the New York Yankees. Uh, maybe that's the Dodgers. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, the Dodgers just have the arms. I just think they didn't perform well in the postseason. Um, and certainly the Astros are going to have to replace Garrett Cole. You can't, can't just go forward without a guy like Garrett Cole. So there's gonna, they're going to have to make one move, in my opinion, to it's not going to be the, to the caliber of Cole, but they're going to have to bring somebody in to take his rotation spot. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to align Zach Wheeler with the Minnesota Twins because I think – of these names I've mentioned, Wheeler's going to be the, one of the cheaper options. I've got him projecting to a five-year, $120 million contract, which is less term, less average annual salary than, than Bumgarner or a Cole or a Strasburg. So if he's the lowest of this you know, second tier of pitchers in the offseason here, I think the Twins will be all in on that. I think that's a nice fit for Minnesota. He's sort of a quiet guy, right? I mean, he sort of just goes about his business. And the Twins are loaded with young, kind of uh, unselfish, crazy productive position players. They are exciting at the plate. I mean, they hit 310 home runs or something like that. I mean, they're going to hit the ball. They just need a couple of more guys that can stop the other team from scoring. So I think it's a perfect marriage. I'd hate to see Wheeler go as a Mets fan personally, but I understand it. And that's why the Mets went and did what they did with Marcus Stroman uh, at the trade deadline. So I understand that this has to be a an exit, exit strategy for the Mets and Wheeler, most likely. And I think the Twins are a perfect landing spot for him. Let's switch to Anthony Rendon. I, I, the aforementioned Anthony Rendon, who had another phenomenal season, another phenomenal postseason, 
He was the sort of the father figure for that that young Washington team, um, even though they were the oldest team in baseball, you know, mathematically, certainly these, the younger players are, the, are carrying the weight for that team right now. Um, look, th- this is a situation, it's really Bryce Harper 2.0 for Washington, right? without the pomp and circumstance, right? Because the, 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 the reason you keep Bryce Harper isn't necessarily for 30 home runs and 100 RBIs, which... You know, you can pretty much bank on that every year out of Bryce. It, Bryce is a brand, right? Bryce is going to put butts in seats. Bryce is going to sell merchandise. He's going to do all the little things that come along with being Bryce Harper. So, I, you know, does Washington need that anymore? I don't, I don't think so. Clearly, they, they just won without him. Uh, that's not a franchise that really needs that kind of superstar. Like I said, they're swinging more towards the Max Scherzers who, you know, shut up and play kind of guys, right? Shut up and play. And that's what Anthony Rendon has been for years, for six years in a Washington uniform. Um, it's going to be tough to keep him. There's going to be bidding wars for this guy. Everybody needs a phenomenal defensive third baseman who can also hit the ball out of the ballpark, hit doubles, steal bases, do everything right. He's an intangibles guy. Uh, just the, I mean, he's, we talked about a guy named Nolan Arenado last year at this point in time. And it's just a, phenomenally perfect comparison. I mean, the same position, same type of player, gritty, uh, shut up and play, phenomenally defensive. Um, Just really just a carbon copy. This is sort of Nolan Arenado 2.0, and the contract that I've got producing for him sort of justifies it, right? Seven years, $230 million for, for Anthony Rendon is where I think he lands, and I think he ends up going home. He's a Texas guy. The Houston Astros certainly don't need a third baseman with Alex Bregman in tow, uh, but the Texas Rangers do. And I really kind of see Randone as the, the next iteration of Adrian Beltre in Texas, where it's just a guy who, you know, swing a big stick and uh, not say too much about it. And that's really what Randone has been his whole career and certainly will continue to be as he, as he grows older here. He's 29 years old. They can certainly get seven to eight years out of him. And uh, I think that's where this thing all ends up. Let's go to Garrett Cole, the, the last one I'll talk about here because I'm, I'm sort of getting long-winded on this. And, I, you know, you can go to spotchart.com and read the entire articles, which is kind of quick hits on these eight notable MLB free agents. But let's talk Garrett Cole. Again, I'm going to put Garrett Cole back in his hometown. I did it with Rendon. I think, you know, like I said, Steven Strasburg will at least be, you know, offered a sizable contract to come to San Diego where he had went to college and grew up a little bit. I don't, like I said, I don't think that ends up working out. I think Washington keeps Steven Strasburg. Uh, and Garrett Cole is a West Coaster. He's a California guy. He grew up near Anaheim. The Angels just went all in on Joe Madden. They brought in Mickey Callaway to be the pitching coach, who has a really good history of working with top-tier pitchers from Cleveland. I, I just think they are, they're going to be all in on pitchers this offseason, and rightfully so. They've got a guy named Mike Trout. You might have heard of him. He's locked in for basically the rest of his life. And they haven't won anything with him. I mean, it's just a shame that October comes around and we don't have Mike Trout on our TV screens. So I, I think this is the time for them to be all in on pitchers, not just one. I think there's at least two major pitchers going to, going to the Los Angeles Angels this offseason. It starts with Garrett Cole. I've got him at eight years, $275 million. It's the biggest contract in the history of baseball for a pitcher. Um, and I think they backed that up with uh, Hung Jun Ryu, who was a, who's been a Dodger the last few years. Played on a $17 million salary last year. You know, the Dodgers will probably try to re-up him. But I really do think uh, that 
the Angels will steal him away as their number two option this offseason to shore up the top of the rotation and, and really, you know, go all in on on the Mike Trout area right now. This is these are two players, two very different players, but from on, on the mound, not so much, honestly. They are they are tough, precise, consistent, and you know, as a one-two punch, I think it's a perfect way for, for the Angels to reinvent themselves in 2020. So that, that's, a, that's a long-winded look at where I think a few of these players might end up and how much, but I've been wrong a lot. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been wrong a lot on baseball salaries these past three years because out of nowhere, the owners just got together and said, we're, we're, not, we're done doing that. We're done overpaying for first baseman who can hit 40 home runs. We're done overpaying for outfielders, you know, who are five tool players. We're done, and, and in some, you know, breaths, we're done overpaying for anybody. I mean, Patrick Corbin at six years, $140 million last year was the highest paid free agent pitcher. And I'm projecting Garrett Cole to, to, to make double that this year. Eight years, $275 million. So we're going to have to wait and see if it actually does come to fruition because it hasn't the past couple of years. Certainly your Machados and your Harpers got paid. Um, but they're going to be outliers. There's always going to be outliers. So we're going to have to see if this strong class that is dominated by pitching, which generally teams are willing to pay for, we're going to see if they come out to where productivity says they should be paid. This is where you know, the numbers I gave you are, are a little bit higher than what mathematically these players say they should be paid. Right? If I say Steven, Steven Strasburg is worth 30 a year, well, he's probably going to get 33, 34 a year. If I say Anthony Rondon's worth 32 he might get 33, 34, 35 because of a bidding war. That's just generally how Major League Baseball's free agency has gone. We'll see if it sticks this year or if there really is a drive down to these prices. All right, let's bring in Scott Allen to talk a little basketball. All right, switching gears to the NBA now, we're bringing in Scott Allen, Trek NBA guru. Not the best content to be dealing with right now in the, in the early stages of the NBA season, but uh, it's, it applies to the sports business side of things for sure. So, Scott, thanks for joining us. And let's talk about some of these suspensions that have come up. Notably, the former number, number one overall pick in DeAndre Ayton, three notable anti-drug policy suspensions in the NBA. Two full question here. Number one is, are we starting to see a trend? And number two is, mathematically speaking, what does that mean for these guys' pocketbooks? Yeah, you know, I'd like to say, yeah, we're starting to see a trend with you'd like to Chandler. <laughs> well, I'm not, well, drug no, up I, everyone. I don't, <laughs> no, I don't want to see these suspensions happening, but I mean, we've seen more of these anti-drug suspensions here. Three with this offseason in the beginning of this season, which is, you know, we, we haven't seen this many clustered together. So um, could be yeah, things that have happened over the things have happened over the off season and guys are getting caught. Um, not really sure, but I mean, with three happening, uh, hopefully we won't see any more here, especially to some of these more premier players. Um, but as far as the math is concerned, I mean, each of these guys was hit with 25 games. They're, they're going against the, uh, league and putting in a grievance to try to have some of these reduced if possible. But right now as the math stands, Wilson Chandler, is losing $583,000. DeAndre Ayton is losing $2.18 million. And uh, Collins with Atlanta is losing $610,000. So how that works out is they've lost, because it's a 25-game suspension, they lose one 
145th times 25 games of their salary. Hmm. So you divide, you divide their salary that they have right now by 145 times 25 games. That's where you get the money from. If their suspension or if somebody was suspended for less than 25 games, it's actually divided by 110. Um, that this is all part of uh, the CBA when it was renegotiated. Uh, so that's how that stands. And where that 110 actually comes into play was with uh, Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns when they were suspended for two games. They're actually their salary is divided by the 110. So Embiid was fined uh, will lose. $379,000 from his two-game suspension, and Towns loses $376,000 from his two-game suspension. So I think it's less likely that we see more of the fights, but certainly that's the suspension we'd like to see more of, right? I mean, these drug yeah, suspensions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was trying to make some sense of these three players specifically, and because, you know, you, you see it in baseball. We've seen it in baseball for years and, and even in football a little bit, and you can kind of understand you know, I mean, you can't, there's no justification for this, but you can kind of, kind of understand, you know, players, you know, all the way back in the day, Brady Anderson, Baltimore Orioles, you know, he sees guys mashing the ball out of the ballpark all around him. And, you know, he's a, he's a slender, you know, kind of a five tool guy who can steal bases and, and decides I'm going all in on one year, right? I'm going to mm -hmm. juice up and I'm going to hit the ball out of the ballpark and I'm going to get paid. And he hits 50 home runs. It, it, it's, you know, it's ridiculous when you talk, when you talk out loud about it, but you can understand his thought processes, right? Like I've got to sort of keep up here. DeAndre right. Ayton is the number one overall pick, and he his rookie season he averages sixteen and ten, and game number one in, in for Phoenix this year he he goes eighteen and eleven. This guy's going to be a star. I mean, he's a star, right? He's going to get paid. Yeah. He, he he sixteen and ten is going to get him a ton of money in the league. In a league, yeah, where, especially on a team, especially on yes, a team that's doing that's, really well right now. Well, that's where I was going. This has been a, a bad team for forever. Devin Booker has always been sort of a one man show, and now they've got this other piece who you know had a solid rookie season and looked to be improving in year two. Did he just think he had to get bigger and stronger to, to keep up? I mean, we saw Giannis get bigger and stronger, and Bede certainly changed his body. Um, was this just part of Aiton's plan to sort of take himself to the next level? Because I, I got to tell you, I understand baseball players, with all those players there are, right, in this gigantic minor league system, there's so much to choose from. I understand a guy there feeling like he's got to stand out, right, and make some noise. But in basketball, you can be the 12th guy on the roster and you're making $9 million a year. So <laughs> is it really worth it in basketball to, you know, take these hormones for, for whatever reason, whether it's to, you know, help clear up an injury whether it's to just you know improve your your body size and, and make you, make you a more formidable athlete in this league, I, I just don't understand it. A guy who's already producing is already on track to make tens of millions of dollars. What is the need for this? Yeah, I don't know. I you you got me on that. I mean, especially when we've seen a more increase in quote unquote rest or quote unquote load management where yeah. guys can rest to relax their knees, at least for a game or two here and well, there. We're going to get there. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, well, one other thing, there. one other thing with these suspensions is once these uh, players exceed their fifth game of their suspension, they're automatically moved to the suspension list. Mm. 
which opens up a roster spot. So on Phoenix, temp- temporarily, they have a open spot that they could sign someone for the time being if they chose to. And then when Aiton comes off the suspension list, then they would have to move that player. They would have to waive him uh, or trade him. But yeah, these these uh, long suspensions, these guys are getting moved to the, the suspension list. Um, so that's minor Bittersweet, transaction, yeah. but it it's there. Yeah, bittersweet. I mean, I mean, John Collins, 22-year-old forward, uh, you know, on the Atlanta Hawks, a, a similar situation to Phoenix, right? I mean, this is the number 19 overall pick two years ago. The Hawks are an up-and-coming team. I mean, they're not going to – I mean, I don't think they're a playoff team yet, but they've got young talent. They're kind of coming together as a core. He's in year three, which means he's up for that big rookie extension, right, after this year? So uh, to some degree, you can understand, you know, the, him thinking, I've got to be all in this year so that I can, you know, cash in like Ben Simmons and, and the, the crop of players we just saw get rookie extensions. But, I mean, I just don't. In this league where the money is everywhere, and look, mm-hmm. he played five games for the Hawks this year. He was averaging 17 and nine, right? To go with almost two assists. Last year, he averaged almost 20 and 10. I mean, 20 and 10 in your second year. There's no need. You are already on track for a multi million dollar extension. I mean, uh, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Just keep doing what you're doing. I I don't understand the need. And look at here's the other side of it, especially in football. Many of the of, of the drug situations, you know, even you know marijuana, mostly marijuana, it, it's they're being used because guys are hurt, guys are injured. They need to, you know, you know, bring their body back to normalcy a little bit easier and and calm themselves down a little bit to to manage the pain. Even if that's happening in basketball, and you can understand it with you know with with knees and guys getting bumped around so much and, and taking a toll on, on the lower half of their bodies. Even if that's the case. We're about to start talking about the load management, right? The, the buzzword of, of the last two years in basketball. Can't you just take a couple of days off? I mean, that's what everybody else is doing, right? Does John Collins feel like at 22 years old, he's not allowed to take days off? Can't you just go to your coach and say, coach, I need a week off. I'm not feeling it right now, right? I mean, I, to me, there's no excuse in this league, based on everything we've just laid out, to take any kind of substance, any kind of substance. If you need time off, the players have all the power, all the power. If you're a first-round pick on a young team, you can do whatever you want to do. And, and you're putting up 20 and 10, you just ask, and, and you'll get what you need. I mean, that's where we're going, yeah. right? I mean, let's, let's transition right into it. Uh, right. You know, marquee game of the season last night was, you know, Giannis and the Bucks at, at the Clippers. Two of the, maybe, I think, the, the West and East favorites, right? P- pretty much, outside yeah. of Philly, right? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty yeah, much as big as you can get in, uh, on November 6th. And it's coming off a back-to-back for the Clippers. And the Clippers have basically come out and said Kawhi Leonard will not be playing back-to-back games this year because of his previous injuries and his need for load management. Fine. Totally justifiable, right? Totally justifiable. Except, Mm -hmm. and and we're, we're here to talk sports business, this is terrible for sports business. This is terrible for television. This is terrible for fans spending tickets on season tickets. Fans, you know who in, in the offseason saw this game on the schedule and said, I got to be at that game and already bought tickets to it. There's just, you know, the list goes down and down and down. I mean, it, it, at least this, was, this wasn't Kawhi going to Milwaukee and not playing, right? At least it wasn't that. 
because then you had a situation where the fans in Milwaukee were dying to see Kawhi. The one time they're going to see him, and he's not there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, at least right. at least Giannis came out west and played. Um, but it, this is all bad, and we're going to see it more and more all year long. And I think Kawhi's got thirteen back to backs this year, so. <laughs> So you can pretty much pencil in the games he's not going to be playing in. And, oh, by the way, when Paul George gets healthy, he's probably going to be doing the same thing. And they may be alternating games they don't play, right? I mean, that's probably why they did what they did here with this team building. Um, it, it's an epidemic. It's all part of this player empowerment era. It's understandable to a certain degree because of everything we just laid out. These guys are getting injured. You know, it's a long 82-game season, and you can add on 25 to 30 games in the postseason to go with it for these superstars who are making deep runs on an annual basis, you can understand the need to take time off. But how do we, how does the NBA and Adam Silver, who has been all about the players, you know, he has, nobody has empowered his league's players more than the NBA has done with Adam Silver. How does he now step back, assess this situation, which you know, he's doing maybe on a weekly basis. I mean, this might be topic number one outside of China right now, right? For Adam Silver. How does he ensure that the TV money he's making, the TV providers are happy and and are showing superstars on their primetime, on their primetime games? How, How do you bridge this gap? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, the logical and easiest answer would be reduce the amount of regular season games okay. uh, so that there are no back-to-backs at all, if anything. Um, I, I don't know if we'll get to that point. I know from what we've heard, they've they've been toying with the idea of reducing the regular season schedule or throwing in a mid-season tournament or you know playing with the schedule a little bit to try to see how, you know, potentially reduce workload but i think the easiest is reduce the amount of games or try to make so that there are no back-to-backs now i know the nba they shifted their season already so that it starts in more uh closer to the mid-october dates so that they can stretch the season out a little bit more but we're it's obviously not working because we're seeing these premier players resting on these marquee television games all right i'll give you my thoughts right after this today's episode is brought to you by the athletic i bet the athletic has something to say about this by the way i'm gonna guess the athletic has been dealing with this topic for quite a while now and maybe maybe no more than last night's situation with Kawhi and Giannis. the athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth coverage for real fans Get detailed coverage for every trade, every free agent signing, and all the storylines on your favorite team, as well as expert analysis from national writers like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, and Pierre Lebron. Plus deep insights from analytic gurus and former team executives like John Hollinger and Seth Partnow. Join today and get 40% off at your first year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash spottrack 40 off. That's theathletic.com slash S-P-O-T-R-A-C 40-O-F-F. All right, Scott, here's my thoughts. And it's wide ranging and it's a big sweeping change. And it's going to give you a lot more work to do. (laughs) All right. There's one thing that the NBA does not have that the other sports do. And I think it's a way that could not only improve the length of the season situation, but also fix this problem to some degree. There's no more benchings. Okay, there's no more DMPs. If a player can't play, 
that player must be deemed injured. You've got to give injury reports. There's fact checking that goes into that. Obviously, there's going to be lying, right? I mean, there's plenty of that in the NFL and the other leagues as it is. The point I'm getting to is the NBA doesn't have any kind of reserve list at all. There's no injured reserve. Baseball's got a 15-day, a 60-day. I mean, I mean, essentially, it's list that you have to go on. You've got to miss a certain amount of time. That's where I think we have to go. Okay? There's no more nights off. All right? If you're going to miss a game, if you're going to be a DNP, you're going on a, res- on a reserve list, and you've got to miss a allotted amount of time. Okay? It can't just be one night. So if you if 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 say they do a seven day injured injured list, yep. they can't come back for seven days. You're saying something to that degree, yes. If yeah, I think that if you're going to take one night off. You're taking a whole week off now. I, I, from and that actually works out from you know fantasy perspectives or um, like you said the load management. I, it's not a bad idea. I, I'm. There's plenty of holes in it. I mean, the the teams are going to lie their faces off to get out of this. But to me, it's an initiative that the NBA can take to at least slow this down a little bit, right? Not to mention, there's a ton of players in the G League that are developing right now that could benefit from this, correct? If you've got, you know, a a guy on a seven-day injured reserve list on the NBA roster, that would open up an active roster spot, which means you bring some, you know, you bring a kid up from the G League, um, or sign somebody off the street, obviously. Carmelo Anthony, Anthony is still waiting, by the way. <laughs> um, and you could throw him on an active roster for a week. So to me, it's twofold. You get, you get new faces in the league um, where, where these rosters really have no flexibility right now. And there's a, maybe you dampen the process of the DNP, right, that did not play, because I think that's being abused well, right now. Yeah, that, that's an interesting scenario, because, I mean, if we look at Golden State, they have six guys injured right now that can't play. So they only have eight active guys that can play. And there but are because kept. of those other, but because of those six players that are injured and can't play, they take up roster spots. So you can't just bring on guys willy nilly. So, right. I don't think anybody's going to argue with Clay Thompson should be on an injured reserve list or Kevin Durant should be on an injured reserve list in Brooklyn. Right. I mean that it's, it's at this point, it's almost silly that it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Especially for the long term. You know, yeah, if you know they're going to be out the entire season. Right. Um, and they, they've been designated, you know, they're, they're not coming back. I mean, why not have a, an injured reserve list that those players can be shifted to and open up that roster spot? Because you know that, I mean, even if they keep that the, the money is straight up de- is money that is being tacked on to the luxury tax or the cap. That's fine. But at least open up the roster spot. So like you said, those G league or uh, when we get to the 10 day contracts and that kind of stuff can easily be implemented or, you know, get that experience. So really this is a twofold conversation because I, I think the, the need for a short term IR would, what I would help this DNP situation but we can actually talk about the the long term guys as well, the, the Durants and the Thompsons and the John Walls. To me, it's also crazy that there's no cap benefit for those guys. I, you know, hockey does this well, where if you shift a player to a long term injured reserve, then there's a there's a lengthened amount of time that they have to stay on that reserve list. Generally, it's for the whole season. I mean, you've, it's got guy it's guys who are very very injured. Uh, you know, it's going to be an extended period of time, so you can put them on long term injured reserve, and there's a cap benefit to it they still get paid and and maybe they're getting paid through insurance at that at that point um 
but there's a cap benefit to it. I think this is a discussion that the NBA should have. Now, whether or not that is a luxury tax tax uh, deduction, I'm not sure. Because I still think the Brooklyn Nets should be... Uh, what's I'm, I, I don't want to give them... <laughs> it, you know, they, they should be negated slightly for signing Kevin Durant this year, knowing he wasn't going to play. You know what I mean? You shouldn't get a free pass this year. I mean, obviously, you got to pay him the cash. But I wonder if, from a salary cap standpoint, they could be credited. But from a luxury tax standpoint, they aren't credited. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. So that it's it's somewhat fair because obviously you're going to have teams abusing that if there's not that level of of up and down. So I I, I think that's another discussion for this next CBA. Not only the short term IR to sort of nip the, nip that side of it in the butt, but giving these teams some relief. It, it's it's. The Washington Wizards have been pigeonholed for two seasons now because John Wall's injured, not only with a roster spot, but also with a, with a gigantic cap hit that sits on their, you know, it, it, it renders them useless in July when other teams are adding players. It's just a very tough situation to be in. So I, I really hope that not only from a business standpoint, but also from a roster standpoint, that the NBA can sort of figure this whole thing out in the next iteration. Yeah, I think that definitely needs to be a point of conversation, yeah. especially with, the faster, stronger that we're seeing these players get Steroid some of their injuries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some of their injuries are are devastating. I mean, we've seen devastating injuries, but we're seeing some of these premier injuries. And I mean, yeah, the Warriors are the perfect example. Well, I the mean, Warriors are the perfect war- example. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, are, half yeah. of their roster is literally sitting on the sidelines in street clothes and you know, if you look at their roster on spot track, it appears that, you know, they're loaded with stars <laughs> because there's no, there's nowhere else for them to go, but the active roster. Right. And and then when you have teams like new Orleans who have, yes. you know, Zion gets injured because of how strong and powerful for his size he is. And he's out for the, you know, first two months here. Um, especially when on an opener talking about televised games, everyone was expecting, to see Zion is the debut opener for the season and he's not able to be on television. Also, so we drafted him I in mean, a fantasy league. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> of which there's also no IR. So he's sitting on our active roster there too, mm-hmm, but I'm not exactly. going down that rabbit hole. All right, Scott, this was great. Uh, good stuff. I don't think we got anywhere, but we at least talked about it, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> our special thanks to Morgan Stanley, global sports and entertainment empowering all the athletes, all the entertainers, give them a call, get your money situation figured out, especially if you're in the NBA and the money's just flowing like water. Learn more, go to morganstanley.com slash GSE, Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. For Scott Allen, I'm Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast.